say sack of potatoes, but it doesn't sound as good as Squirrel Friends. And welcome back to Old Marketing School. What would be bunch of potatoes, potato friends? What what would be a good remark to spuds? Spuds. <laughs> yeah. Hello, spuds. Hi, spuds friends. <laughs> We're really leaning into this potato thing, which I do appreciate. Welcome back. Um, I hope you are ready for today's episode of Alt Marketing School. Are you ready, Spud friend Steph? I am ready. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Actually, I should literally say let's go because tomorrow we are hosting our first ever open day. So kind of need to go, but we're going to be sticking around for a bit longer, dear listener. Um, and in case you're wondering what our open day is, fun fact, I was thinking about talking about that today. Why is that? Well, seems good. <laughs> sounds good for staff. So yay. Thank you so much. Well, what is the open day fab? The open day is something that we wanted to try, which actually stems from a wider tactic, which I absolutely love because the tactic is all about educating your customers and educating your audience about who you are and what you do. And we do it in the traditional ways when it comes to marketing. So we might do it with social media, with content. But then I think that also depending on your brand and your business, you kind of have to get a bit creative. So when it comes to the open day, I wanted to think about it as any activity, which in our case is a two-day event, that can allow your audience to get to know you better and mimic the experience they would have when they are experiencing your product or service. This is kind of what it is. And we have run similar things in the past, and I am a thousand percent sure you, Steph, have been sitting in the virtual seat for a lot of these things. But I think that... You know, they are a bit underrated in the way that people think, oh, yeah, I need to run a summit or I need to run a conference or a webinar just because of the lead generational point, which is obviously why we do it at the bottom uh, level. But the, I think you have to be clever with your formatting to make sure that whatever experience you're delivering is something that actually replicates or works well with your final intent. What are some good experiences that you have had, Steph, with things like open days or live demos. That's another good example of something along these lines. And maybe what yeah. were some of the non-so-good ones? Um, I think, like, to me, open day just reminds me of when I went to university. So you literally go to a university to experience what the place is like, talk to people that are there or have been there, um, some of the tutors, and get kind of a feel of what your life is going to be for the next three years. Obviously, that's quite a long commitment. But I, th I feel like it's trying to just read transcribe that kind of feeling over obviously virtually when you open to a school or program or whatever you want to join the question is well what does it look like behind the scenes obviously without putting that commitment first if you're not quite sure so I think some of the best ones I've had is not only just someone talking about what they're doing but kind of just showing you a run through and maybe like a short snippet of what a lesson might be like and how it's conducted or even just showing you some like screenshots or video of what the program or software that they're using so how it's organized what you have access to um i think the less successful ones that i might have had is when that the obviously presenter just talks and talks and talks, but you still don't get a notion of what is it? What are you going to actually do every day when you go on a platform? What are the types of things that you're going to see, even if it's just like a screenshot, to get that experience of what you're putting your money and time into? 
another pet peeve if I can if I can add it, if I just slide it in there is when you are afraid to actually deliver value because you're afraid that if you give anything that somebody can actually go and use actionable and take away and they're not going to come back you're like well they got everything they need and for some yeah. people I want to say this reiterate for some people it might be that whatever you're giving out for free regardless of whether it is content or again an event it might be enough for them at this stage and that is totally fine a lot of our students when I don't know them because if I do know of them then I might know how the interactions have come but when I have no idea what they are and they join and I'm like hi how did you find out about us and you know who are you yes and it's really interesting to hear that oh yeah I've been reading all of this content I've been consuming the podcast for a while x y and z and when I saw this opportunity I had to jump on it you know so it really that is my pet peeve especially because I agree with you I think these experiences I think as a tactic and as a kind of a marketing part of the marketing strategy is actually a really powerful thing to give this immersive even if most mostly virtual at this point but not only experiences but a lot of people are afraid to give too much i think it's the combination of giving something that is actionable but then going to the giving too much is not overwhelming your audience because that's the other problem that you can have on the flip side i don't know if you agree but i found that when I've been showered with knowledge, literally showered, you can imagine a shower of knowledge, even if it's for something less about program and even more about product. And then I just feel, okay, what am I going to do with all of this? I think that's another issue that you can come across when you create an experience like this, even a demo. If you show too much, people don't know where to start. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I feel especially like being on the other side of trying to run these things and trying to get people in. You also want to not like vet them, but you do want people that are committed to what you're going to be offering. And I feel like if you offer, like you say, a bit of value, a takeaway, something that they can action, like you say, some people are just at that starting point with that's all they kind of need. And then maybe as they move on further on, you know, in time when they are ready, they'll probably join then to get more because they can then trust. I think that's also the part of it. It's like you have to build that trust with people that are going to trust that you're going to give them what you obviously want to to produce afterwards. Like if you're doing a whole course, they need to trust that they're going to get out of it what they need. And I think just giving them that sort of actionable snippet kind of gives them a taste of that and go, actually, that does work. I can trust that person will give me what I want by the end of it. And then are fully committed once they're in the course to also interact and to actually get the most out of it. So it's not only for them, but it's also for you as like, you know, wanting to give all that value. If you have people that aren't committed, aren't showing up to the classes, the workshops and everything, even with the teachers, if no one shows up, that's a waste of their time. And it's a waste of the opportunity that someone could have had. I love that. And actually that goes into two elements that you talked about here, which I think are so important. So I'm going to use us as a case study because it's the easiest case study because it's happening <laughs> again tomorrow. <laughs> we know what we is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Tomorrow at time of listening, uh, as the podcast goes out, tomorrow is going to be the day so you can still join us. I'm going to say a few times just because we're talking about it. Opmarketingschool.com slash open day. It's completely free. So if you want to join us and get an experience, you will actually see what we're talking about right now. But the beauty of this is that Again, thinking about how we structure this, there are two things that I'm doing differently this time because I think marketing tactic and experiments, you need to be creative just to kind of adapt. So one thing 
is obviously in the name, which I know it sounds basic, but it's the first time that we call something like this an open day. So we have done free classes and we do offer free classes, but I was just interested in actually finding a better way to tie in with the idea of the school. So think about who you are and what do you offer. Maybe a summit. For me personally, it does make as much sense as a name and as a concept as an open day because we're a school. So I think that's really important. That's been a big shift that we have done. So whatever you do, think about that as well. And then with that, it also helped us defining the, the run the run through. So obviously, if you're joining us, you already know. But if you're not, just to give you an idea, it's important to build trust with the teachers. So we have two teachers panels. It's important, as Steph rightfully mentioned, to give something a bit more actionable, like a snippet of something. So we have two taster classes because it runs two days. But also, again, back to Steph's point of commitment, we sandwiched in like a beautiful sandwich. We also added within our open day an AMA section or like session, which actually Steph is going to be with us. So say hi to both of us, where we are actually going to talk about some of the frequently asked questions about the certification. Obviously, attendees can ask questions as well in real time if they feel prompted. And that is so important because it really makes clear that this open day, yes, gives value, but also there's a very specific intent, which is introducing people to the school. So afterwards, the obvious call to action, so that nobody's surprised, is come and join us for the next cohort. Duh. (laughs) And it's a very natural progression. I think sometimes one of the worst things you can do is then lead people into something, this event, and then, oh, surprise, surprise, I'm now going to, you know, sell you this thing or like give you this extra prompt because they feel disjointed so when it actually makes sense and is naturally led and the expectations are set right I think is such a more powerful way to lead something like this I don't know if you'd agree maybe we've been in this space for a long time and we experienced it a lot but that is another one of my pet peeves (laughs) yeah we get to the end of the thing and you're just like oh here comes the sale pitch and that isn't quite relevant to everything else you've just done so no, as you said, like, obviously, come and join us for the open day. We'll be there to answer questions. I've done the program myself. So obviously, I've kind of got both ends of the experience of like being a student, and also then being in the back end and helping others go through the program. Um, and yeah, I think it's just that thing of like, we're open about exactly what we're offering, and what is that you're going to get. And there's no like the only thing we want to do is provide value and help people through that marketing journey and learn as much as possible. And I think that that's all there is. Like there's no hidden agenda behind it. Thank you so much, Steph. I couldn't have said it more eloquently. So <laughs> thank you, Steph. Do a little bow here. Um, yeah. and, I'm gonna... and also I would say it's a crisp sandwich. <laughs> but I love that. <laughs> It's, I mean, if if we do have a potato mascot, nobody should be shocked or bold in any way because that might actually happen. Like a little spud mascot for all marketing school that would be adorable. You can see around the open day. That is my dream. Okay, I put it. I put it into existence now. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention, just to finish up on this idea and how we are doing it as well. So talking about another implementation we're making, especially if you run something like this before and you're like, okay. Yeah, cool. I I know how to do it. I'm going to give you more food for thought. Another way to elevate the marketing side of it is shock and horror to use other events, other happenings as a waterfall effect to really drive as many people to the open day as possible. Why am I saying this? Because we all know the power of online events or hybrid events and kind of bringing a brand awareness. And obviously at the end of each one of them, there's usually an offer. Join us now and get this. 
And I don't know why, maybe because of the last couple of years, the saturation of that. And as we said, we know it's going to come a sale pitch. We know we're going to have an offer, you know, fine. I was thinking actually what I want to test, especially for this open day, is actually having it as a waterfall experience where we're doing a couple of more events before this, or we would have done, obviously, because, you know, past, like time, warps. Um, And also for these events, especially with newer audiences, like lead sharing partnerships, which we can talk about. If you're interested, let us know, dear listener. I'm using them to direct new audiences to our open day, not to the certification straight away. And some people might be like, I mean, makes sense to do the offer for the paid thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. These people still need that relationship building. So I think if you create a really good event, a really good experience, it's worth the while for you to look at your other marketing efforts and not just your content, but other ways you might reach new audiences and really pitch this experience, whether it's an open day, a summit or a conference, instead of pitching your offer. A lot of people will be like, no, fab, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm going to add this, a little curveball, just to finish off. This is what we're doing. We will look at it and think about how it worked, and maybe we can report on it after it's done. But I think it does have a high rate of conversion because it's a very low effort next step. Oh, you joined this free event. We have another free event for you. But it really helps building that trust. So what do you think, Steph, since it's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> now now you can be honest with me and, my, and our dear listeners and say, no, don't do that. But I'm interested in trying this. Yeah, I think I I believe in the idea. I th- I think that's something, especially with. I think also depends on what you're obviously providing. If it's like a big course, like people need a bit more information about it, need a bit that experience. If it's really a small offering, I think that's where there's probably a bit more room to go. Yeah, I'm just going to promote that straight away. But I think when you're trying to involve people in a longer term, like this is eight week long you know, it's quite a lot of involvement, a lot of work to do because you want that progression. I think people need to feel like they're coming on the ride with you and it's not just slapped on the table and there's no context to it. And they can't feel like they actually can trust that, again, what they're going to get out of it. Um, so I feel that's really a good tactic to try and also get away from all that you know, offer, offer that you see everywhere and try and sort of differentiate like, no, we're taking the time to really get you on board and, you know, try and get you the best picture possible of what we're trying to offer. And then they can obviously make that informed decision, trusting what they can get out of it. I love that. I love also you say the differentiating because I think that's another thing. You have to remember that, especially as you're testing new things, there is an added benefit if you're doing an experiment and trying something new. That if nobody else is doing it, it will actually stand out, either in a negative or a positive way. That's what you will know whether it worked or not. <laughs> so I love that you mentioned that. Thank you. So we shall report. But obviously, if you do want to join us for the open day, allmarketingschool.com slash open day, that's where you can join us and get your free ticket. We really hope to see you there for two afternoons of fun it's only going to be a couple of hours each day you can join us at the end of the day or maybe at your lunchtime, depending on where you're watching and just get to know the faculty and obviously meet us as well so we hope to see you there this is a segue to a segment that we actually tried over christmas when we wanted to not to leave you hanging you know so we actually <laughs> asked some incredible people and experts to share their marketing lessons and is you know it's caught on so we're doing it again surprise surprise so the marketing fails are back and we know that so many of you love them because they were interesting insights from other people and experts so we actually have written 
to start us off with the year. So we're going to hear from him before we come back with a bit of a roundup of a couple of interesting resources and things that happened in January. So Risen is actually going to talk about how to understand your market and even more powerfully, and yes, is actually identifying decision makers within your market. So understanding who are the decision makers when it comes to your marketing, how can you communicate your benefits of your product to them and what you need to look out for. If you don't know, Risen is actually the host of an upcoming podcast called Build a Podcast Audience, so very meta, and also he is the founder of OnlyPod. So we'll hear from him and then we'll be back with a couple more bits of news exciting from January. Hi, I'm Rusin. I'm the founder of OnlyPod, where I develop easy-to-use podcast marketing tools. One of the tools that I have under OnlyPod is called PodBio. It's a bio link for your podcast that you can add to your social media profiles and it will show the podcast links to apps that are available on the listener's device so that they are not overwhelmed. And on top of that, you can also add your own custom links, you can have your own theme, and also get analytics for those links so you know what's working for you. And that report is sent to your email every week. I'm also the host for the upcoming podcast called Build Your Podcast Audience, where I talk about how to grow your podcast and also talk to other experts and podcasters to hear from them about what works for them. It's my mission to help podcasters figure out their marketing so that they can achieve their podcasting goals. And I really want to make the marketing tools accessible for podcasters. One of the lessons that I learned the hard way in marketing is about choosing the market. Before I got into podcasting, I worked in virtual reality field. In my job, I developed an open source VR platform that can be used in classrooms. And it was also funded by UNICEF Innovation Fund. And we had to learn the hard way that it is incredibly difficult to sell educational products to schools. When you combine that with a new technology like VR, and you can imagine how difficult it was. The biggest problem was that the users of the product and the decision makers were too far apart. I had done demos for teachers, but they were not the decision makers for such products. And on top of that, schools had to invest in VR headsets, which was another challenge. As a small startup, we could not afford the same marketing techniques used by companies like Google, Microsoft or Apple in the educational sector. This lesson has definitely shaped my approach to products. I would say there are some questions that you have to ask yourself, such as, are you able to reach the decision makers for the product? Are the users of your product the same as the decision makers? If not, how will you communicate the benefits of your product to the decision makers? And is the market growing? In my case, the VR space was still in its infancy outside of the gaming space, and the cost of headsets is still high. It's still the case, and that could change in a few years. But you need to be aware of where the market currently is. So another question to ask would be, is the market ready for your product? Do users need to invest a lot of time or money to use your product? And how are you going to address that? I hope the lessons learned help you with your marketing. And many thanks to Fab for inviting me to the podcast. Have a great day.
And we're back from the magic of the interwebs and editing. We are back seamlessly to talk about a few more things before we leave you to the rest of your day. A couple of exciting things that have come out in January. And Steph, I am a sucker for reviews and stats. So everybody else, including the dear listener, you are welcome. I share with Steph actually some really cool stats from kind of online reviews and the state of online reviews and the power of consumer insights. And I just love it. I know everybody's going to be like Fabio weird, but I just <laughs> love it. Steph, anything that jumped out at you from this piece from, it was from a search engine journal, by the way, anything that jumped out at you from this one? I feel like, I feel like it just kind of reinforced what I was already doing <laughs> with the reviews of, I don't buy or do anything without looking at reviews first. Um, so you know, sort of like the 60% of consumer feel that the number of reviews is critical. So not only the quality of reviews, but how many people have obviously put that. I feel that's quite, I didn't actually clock that was something I actually do quite a lot. So if I'm like, oh, there's only one review and it's good. It's like, well, either they've paid for it or you can't quite 100% trust it because that's one opinion. So yeah, there's quite a lot of stats that I thought were actually quite interesting to know that it's already something I do. I'm actually going to tell you something on that because that's a very interesting like dive into psychology. So big fan of that, uh, which is actually that the reason, the reason why we actually tend to build more trust upon volume and actually having more resources, in this case, more reviews, is actually based on the endowment effect, which is a psychology effect, where we build more trust upon things that we can actually see our collection of or our wealth of. So, for example, we use a tool, which obviously you can use as well, which is called testimonial.to, which I love. And going back to how can you take this stat and this information and put it into practice, you can use tools like this to collect reviews from different platforms and showcase them into what we also have, which is a wall of love, which you can use and steal this idea um, from everywhere. So if our students, are obviously we encourage them to share, so that's another thing. You know, you have to encourage that, but we encourage them to share. So it's not only the reviews and the feedback after the cohorts, but if they share on LinkedIn, Twitter, can you find all these places and collect it all together? Hey, you can do screenshots. That still counts. Screenshots are great. We use testimonial.to because obviously we have the testimonials themselves. We have some video testimonials. And then you can also go and literally fetch the URL for anything on any social platform and just put it in into one place. So this is literally psychology. So the reason why Steph, you love it is because it works with your brain and it makes you feel you can trust them. So that's an excellent point from that one. Another thing that I love about this one as well was actually looking at the way that still conventional advertising is not as trusted and a reminder of the power of using those testimonials and user-generated content as potentially, whether it's paid or organic content, However, the problem that a lot of people have is that you think about it retrospectively. So for 2023, it can be actually a really good practice when we're doing, if we want to introduce testimonials or reviews, having a system that allows your students, your customers, your clients to know that if they're allowed to use it, it will also be reused in different places and which places it will be used. Because then you can do it, obviously, without incurring into any legal troubles, or obviously just mistrust issues. But that's another thing, you know, using it as user-generated content. We know how to do it, but I think a lot of us forget actually how to be fully transparent with our clients and customers. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but I heard of people having that issue and I'd be like, I never allowed anybody to do this. Why is it there? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that goes with just, I think, just basic sort of business practice when dealing with other people and obviously getting content from them of just going, oh, by the way, I'm just getting that content. Just, you know, even reviews, like just say, well, obviously they're going to be posted um, unless you specifically say so. We're going to use that, like all that information, obviously towards our business, but just so, to be clear, I think. And I, th- I wonder, is it also that thing there was I feel like I saw a bit of a rise with uh products especially you know with shorts and things like that they used obviously content creators to advertise their products but they were more done in like a review way of like hey I've just tried this and this is like really good um so I think there's also that kind of going on where it's kind of more organic feeling of I've just done it on my phone I'm just talking about the product and then just saying what I think about it and that's actually the other way around. I love that you mentioned that where also then you can use this content as long as it's agreed with the creator, you can then take that content and make it part of your bank of testimonials and review as well. So instead of just thinking it about as promotion, it actually also becomes something that if he's agreed on, you can actually use it on your website and say that forever as part of your bank of reviews. It's almost like, yeah, a testimonial bank or a review bank. I like to call it the wall of love because it makes me feel better <laughs> about life. <laughs> but call it whatever you want. I think it's something that if you haven't implemented it yet, then maybe this year is the time to implement that. And actually the last thing that we wanted to look over in January, because obviously January is the time that we all kind of reviewing hopefully reassessing auditing we talked about at the beginning of the month as well so it's really about some bigger shifts and changes that we might see on social and there's just a couple of things I wanted to talk about and actually stuff you made a big point before we started the recording which was the importance of doing that just to understand where should you put your focus as well wasn't that Yeah, so obviously with the new year starting and thinking, well, what worked and what didn't last year? And then now going, okay, what am I going to implement more of this year or less of? And it's looking at all the social platforms, obviously, if if you're trying to get through them um, and depending on how many you use. And then it's it's picking the ones that obviously get you back the most. um, And it's assessing, well, which platform works? What do I want to do with that platform? Um, And I think in this case, you know, Twitter twitter's happening with all the news behind it was also a question i think a lot of people started asking well should i use that platform any longer because of obviously elon musk uh, buying it and what does that mean for you and your business i love that and especially over january it feels like it's a bit of a soap opera i call it saga but then it's more like a soap opera it's like elon doesn't want to be the ceo anymore (laughs) because literally everybody on twitter said no we don't want it to be the ceo anymore cool so it's gonna find somebody potentially or maybe he's not and maybe he's gonna evolve again and i think it's a great next episode (laughs) in the next episode of and then you have the really weird kind of like music with the like stills of like elon just be like you know that kind of cliffhanger at the end of it so in the next episode marketers decide where to go next and that was part of the conversation that I saw online so much like what's going to replace Twitter and part of me maybe maybe I don't know I've been doing this for too long I was like maybe they don't need to go anywhere else there are other places that we are already that we can just maybe be a bit more proactive on and maybe choose those as we're figuring out what we want to do with Twitter I think it's a good time to review that, but also it doesn't mean you have to jump on something else again. I think that's one of the things. Also, TikTok, as some marketers would know, has been in a lot of conversations around 
whether it's going to be banned or not in the US. There's been a lot of follow-ups to follow-ups to follow-ups to the actual legal case. We don't want to get there until we know if anything is going to happen. But it's the thing, same thing. These are platforms that you use to amplify your message. So work on your own platforms. And then when things like this happen, is a good time to be, maybe I'm going to focus less on this so that I can focus more on other things. So I always find this a good way to think about it is like, don't have to add anything else just because something might not be viable anymore because it puts so much pressure on us, I think. So what's going to be next? What's going to be the next big platform? Yeah. I think it's also a good reminder, I guess, as you probably always preach too, of um, I think being aware that those platforms, you don't control them and they can literally just end the next day without any, you know, say so. And I think it's always good to then go back to sort of our basics of always making sure we have emails and other ways to contact our clients or the people we're trying to reach that aren't just on that platform because obviously it's one of those if you put all your eggs in that one basket and for some reason they decide to just close you have to think well how am I going to recover from this um, so not only for your reach I think it's just good business practice to make sure you've kind of got an, a backup nearly around that kind of thing happening very much true it's like again going back to the shock <gasps> pose <laughs> you know like kind of soap opera vibe you know, things will change. And obviously the platform's trying to do the best for them, <gasps> not for you. Why? Because obviously they want to have the users to be more engaged. And it might be that the different updates or the changes and shifts will be helpful to you. But maybe you're not actually going to be the best recipient for that. Like I was, I was tuning in, I feel like again, talking about soap opera, I was tuning into Adam's, good old Adam, now we're in speaking terms, uh, Adam Mossery's new Instagram video. And I was like, cool. And there was people trying to dissect what it was trying to say about the developments of Instagram and where is it moving as a platform. And again, but going back to that soap opera, it's like the new episode of Adam's chats. That's more like a talk show, I think. <laughs> Unless that's a soap opera. So in Adam's talk show, I was talking about where we're going to go with Instagram. And even then, for example, for some people, it might be beneficial. For some people, it might be not. But there might be a shift in the algorithm where basically the content that is going to be pushed is going to be more like TikTok, which is a suggested content, like the Explore, um, the For You page. That's what it was. So the yeah. Explore page, or these suggestions might become more relevant. And for some people, it might be what they want, actually, because they're looking at growth. But others might be looking at engagement and building trust with their current followers. So you're like, no, equaling in the distance. And then you have doubling down on DMs and private conversations. Would it be good for you? Would it be not good for you? So I think we need to remind ourselves that it's important to keep up to date with these things. Obviously, this is what we're here for, dear listener. So we always got your back. But also to take them as an opportunity to think, okay, these changes are they going to be good for me? Are they going to be bad for me? And are they going to ask me to change and adapt my strategy? Uh, because that's a big part of it. Social media, mm. half of it is the strategy and the other half is really adapting it based on the new features and advancements of it as well. Did you actually watch the video? Did you actually watch Adam's talk show? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, I missed that one. Um, but I always see the after thought of everyone else about it. So I feel like I'm, I'm usually updated pretty well, even if I miss it. Did you have any, does anything jump out at you? As I said, for me, definitely the, the kind of algorithm and even the DMs, even if it wasn't as surprising, definitely jumped out at me. But was there anything else out of some of the shifts that might happen that really jumped out at you as well? 
Not really. I mean, the, the kind of like updating editing tools is like a lot more sort of like 3D animation, I think, and AR kind of thing. There again, I think some of these are a bit gimmicky. So it's that thing of it'll probably last, you know, five minutes, everyone's going to try it out and then it might die off. Um, I think it for me, it just goes with any update that they've done. Some people have seen a massive shift because it's just clicked for them. It's like the way they did things before might have not quite worked, but because of this new thing or new trend, they've just exploded. And then other people have like the downfall of like, you know, oh, they don't actually dance. So they might have not had as much of a reach because there wasn't like a trend going. So I think it's just navigating that, but also remembering what is the value you're trying to get and it's not about gimmicky. I think like gimmicks around new updates that you have to, you can try them, but it doesn't mean you have to do them also um the sort of going to the for you page where like reach i feel like they've kind of already done that in the feed where there's so Mm. much that isn't what i follow already that i feel that's just a progression of i'm hoping there's gonna they're gonna separate it maybe in going actually a bit like tiktok where you can just go on the page for the ones that people you follow so that's the stuff i want to see but if i want to try and see if there's anything else similar then i go on a separate page and it's that's what i decide to see at that point so I'm, I'm hoping that they kind of, as much as they're trying to push reach to different things, that they might give you the option of trying to decide if that's something you want. Adam, if you're listening or anybody in the team, hi again, welcome. <laughs> a dear listener, Steph and I are here to just give you a little tip. There is a place already that exists, which most of us don't even give a damn about, which is the Explore page. So Adam, yeah. maybe, just maybe, this is a good time to optimize that page. So instead of going to the place where people want to see what the heck their following is doing, why don't we optimize the, the explore page? And I'm going to now go against maybe what of some of you are thinking. If you want, you can even have it as the first page that we load. Because that's the thing, you know, it's the first page we load. We load explore. I be like the for you page is usually what you see first. That's totally fine. Maybe I'm in the mood for exploring, but because it's tucked away and the first thing I see is the people that I'm following, this is going to be a massive shift in user behavior. So that could, some people would hate it. But for example, as you said, if you are trying to encourage that exploration mode, do it that way. So you have that place that you land on, you decide to stay there, a bit more optimized, please. Or you move into then your page, or sorry, your tab, where you can see only what your following is doing. And that can be the place for you as your safe haven to go back to without any silly recommendations, which I don't want to see, please, and thank you. <laughs> you know, one thing I actually want to see on Instagram a go bit on. better, that frustrates me sometimes, a better search engine. Because sometimes I want to search for, like, obviously there's tags and things like account names, but sometimes like, I want to search for something a bit more specific and it just still doesn't come up or it kind of gives me accounts that are really not related to even the tags I've searched. So I feel like if there was more of a search thing or sometimes it's a reel I've seen, I don't follow it, it's gone in the multiverse and I want to find it again <laughs> and I try and search words that are like close to what I've seen and it doesn't show it up. So I'm just like, well, I've lost it now and I can't keep scrolling on here for five hours trying to hope it's going to come back again. Tip on so that one. I feel one. like searching. Oh, I have a tip on that one. Tip by the way, it's, it's a great, by the way. Absolutely love it. All for it. I think SEO on Instagram is shifting. It's kind of like everybody and their mother that are telling you how to optimize your captions for SEO. And I'm like, oh, 
But then the problem is Instagram is still not optimized for SEO, in my opinion, as well as it should. So, you know, it's kind of great that we're doing it. But then the, the platform needs, as you say, to have better search because TikTok is used as a search engine a lot more and a lot more effectively, even YouTube. So I agree with you on that one. But it's on the app. I don't think it's on people because actually people know that the captions are going to be SEO optimized. So that's where you can really start thinking about it that way. Tip, yeah. if you lost a reel or even an ad, by the way, you can actually go into your history and it will, it's relatively good, by the way. Sometimes it loses something, but it's relatively good at showing you, for example, the ads that you engage with, but also some of the content you engage with. So I don't remember, because I don't have my phone on me right now, whether it actually has a full history of reels that you watched, but there's definitely different types of histories of your um, behaviors on Instagram and your activities. So go and check it out. It's in your settings. You might be able to find them then. <laughs> the power <laughs> the power of the history archives and then let us know i think we covered a lot today what do you think i think we have yeah so much open days you know reviews, reviews twitter saga instagram saga feel like yeah now i need to live with a cliffhanger and i cannot think of one just like dun 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 in the next episode <gasps> Actually, I can tell you, uh, next week, next week's class is one of my favorite creators because I already know what's coming because, you know, foreshadowing and like beautiful predictions. Um, so yeah, in the next episode, <gasps> one of Fab's favorite creators is joining the chair. Um, so yeah, you're welcome about that one. Um, but yeah, thank <laughs> you so much, Steph, again, for joining us for Pleasure. all of these swappers and sagas. Thank you so much, dear listener, as always, for being here. One final reminder, <clears throat> if you want to join us for the open day, go to altmarketingschool.com slash open day. If you want more tactics and you want to get actually weekly tactics and insights from experts as well, you just go to allmarketingschool.com slash pro and you will be able to look at and join our course library. So this is where you can find weekly tactics as well, just like the one we talked to at the beginning of the episode. In the meantime, Keep being awesome. We will be back as always next week. But for now, class dismissed. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.